This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Greetings listeners, in July and last week we ran out of time to talk about Palmerston North housing situation. Our Mayor Grant Smith is back in the studio to enlighten us about the current situation and to answer some of the questions. Uh, welcome back Grant. Uh, kia ora Anne. great to be back, thank you. Right, so let's go to the land aspect to begin with. So is any council land being sold to developers or is it sold on behalf or how does it work? So um, council land has to go through a process. If you want to sell it, it needs to um, be publicly consulted on. Um, So no, there's nothing at this stage um, being sold to developers. Uh, In terms of being developed on behalf, we have a couple of projects on the go at the moment. Uh, We've identified um, Summerhays uh, Street where um, the former Terracene Bowling Club surrendered its lease and there's a block of land in the middle there uh, which is accessible um, via Ruahini Street and then Summerhays. So we've gone to the community and said, what do you want us to do with this? Half of it's reserve, half of it's residential, so it's a bit of an odd mix. There's an old building there um, as well, the old clubhouse, um, and, uh, of course, the old bowling greens, which unfortunately, since I've you know, I mean, got to remember, bowling greens are made up of weeds, really. So <laughs> the weeds have now become a little bit taller. But it won't be always like that. So we've gone to the community, resounding um, uh, submissions came back to say, look, this would be good for housing. So uh, probably more in the community space, so whether that's public housing or um, social housing. So uh, we, the, we council has yet to decide what, what are the next steps. So what do you term um, social housing? So social housing is where you're providing uh, a house or a home, a unit, um, with a fixed rental, um, and it is um, fixed to the income of the person. Uh, they have to go through a, um, a process of understanding their needs. Um, they're normally more vulnerable people. Uh, for instance, um, you know, at Papioia Place, where we've put the new um, residential units up there, they're a mainly older cohort of people, um, and they uh, so we, we, we don't mix it up too much, um, but when we've got families or uh, younger um, individuals, uh, we've got other housing developments and groups of houses right around the city, whether they be in uh, Milson, Central City, Awapuni, uh, Terracend, um, Roslyn. Uh, there's a number of different, um, you know, uh, Takaro. There's a number of different housing um Units um, about four hundred and thirty uh, spread around the city, and so there were some that had um, where they had used to have those old double story units that um, the land's been sitting vacant for some time. Um, yeah, that's that's got to be careful you don't get mixed up with um, the former Housing New Zealand uh, units, oh, which right. is run by um, Kaying Order. Um, and look, the Kaying Order are doing a great job too, and. and 
replacing a lot of those um, homes, either refurbing them to make them a bit more fit for purpose or uh, moving the house off and most of them are on big sections and being able to repurpose that to, say, two smaller units. So we're going to see quite a a push in that um, in the space in the next 18 months. There's a bit of a lag at the moment, uh, but we've got the Soho development on... Pioneer Highway. We've got another big one coming in Church Street with Kaying Order, which will be three storeys. Um, it's just going through the planning processes at the moment. Uh, big block of land, uh, so there is lots of space there. You'll see uh, Rangatane are doing their own housing down in Hokafitu. You're seeing um, the city at Tamakuku Terrace up at uh, Fokorongo, Summer Haze, as I spoke to you about before. Um, and we're seeing other developments at different parts of the market, you know, Centennial Park near the lagoon um, through to um, uh, Tremaine Avenue next to the uh, former Cloverley Tavern. There's a, there's, a, there's a plan there to put another 44 units in there um, through to an, a new private land change, Whiskey Way, which is off Benmore Avenue. So there's actually quite a lot happening. All right. So... Um in other parts of the country, I'm not sure if you have them here, but um, local motels have been used to socially house people. So is that happening here in Palmerston the North? Look, it, it has happened here, but not at the extent um, and to the demise of, of the local community. Um, we're fortunate that there has been some transitional houses uh, or, or uh, facilities here for some time, for some years. So um, Homes for People run uh, a couple of those. They are former, uh, former motels, but they were older motels. They've been since taken out of a motel environment and turned into a more residential campus. So we're fortunate that that's happened. Yes, there's a sprinkling of um, uh, customers um, uh, in that space in, in, other, in other motels, but it's a sprinkling. Um, it's not where you're getting the Rotoruas or, or some other areas of New Zealand where they're taking out basically um, streets of motels, um, and it really does affect um, the community. Yes, it, it has in Gisborne because I, I tried to um, book one there and apparently there's only about three that you can choose from because all the rest have been taken by social welfare. So. Yeah, no, no, that's, I mean, there, again, I'm not saying it hasn't happened here, but it, it's at a, remembering Palmerston North has quite a big um, accommodation um, sector and, you know, there's, there's probably 2,000 um, beds in, in motels and motor lodges. That's not hotels, it's just motels and motor lodges. And that gives us, um, you know, some some flexibility. So um, in your personal opinion, um, do you have a forecast for the house land and pr- prices? Oh, look, it's... it's <laughs> It's it's a it's a crystal ball at the moment. The only thing I could say is they don't make any more land, so so we've got to do something about it. The cost of building too, it's it's started to creep up again, um, and that's that supply chain. You know, the the, the cost of timber, etc. It hadn't for a little while, but it now is starting to make things um, even more unaffordable for building. Land was the big issue previously. Um, look, there is a way, you know, and we've got to think a little bit. Um, uh, smart about this is years ago there was leasehold land, uh, and you know you, th- you 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 bought a house and it had a hundred year lease on it, um, or a ninety nine year lease. 
maybe that is where we need to go again to get the price. And that, of course, that brings the price of the house and the land. You're not really buying the land freehold. You're leasing it. You've still got security of tenure. Um, and I believe that's we should be looking at it, looking at that again, at least in getting people into first homes. So that's similar to what they have in, in retirement villages at the moment. You you don't actually own the place that you buy; you're just buying the right to live in it. Yeah, but different. Yes, similar but different. And I know that sounds a, a bit strange, but it still means you can sell on the open market. Whereas right. in a in a village, you are you have to sell back to the village um, company. So it's a very much a trust model that with leasehold land you can sell on the open market. It just means the price you don't own the land in perpetuity. It, it, you only you only have the right to um, occupy it for a certain period of time. I think we've got to we've got to think differently. Otherwise, it, it, we will be we'll have the same. We'll be talking about this in two or three years' time. The same problems. Just the prices would have gone up. So how how are schools are they done by the government? So in in a new housing development like there's a um, bare land on Ruahini Street, uh, sorry Ruapehu Drive, yeah. um, which I was told was designated for a school, but yes. it hasn't been built on. So uh, and then I heard a a rumour that they were going to build further over and and put houses on that particular block. <laughs> Is that sort of yeah, things that happen? So, so what happens is the um, Stats New Zealand will do some forecasts for what happens in, in, in suburbs and, and, and cities. Um, it's probably been a bit unfortunate that Palmerston North wasn't high on there and they continually got the population and the projections wrong from Wellington. So that's why the city commissioned its own projections um, with a lot more uh, research and detail and it showed that we absolutely needed some new schooling. Um, so you'll find uh, there'll probably be another two schools pop up, and certainly in a primary level. And of course, we've got the uh, Māori Immersion School Manakura building its new campus up near Massey. So yeah, there the the department um, or Ministry of Education, I should say, um, are meant to work in with the city um, and do that. Um, to a certain extent, that does happen, but there is at times disconnect. So that block of land you're talking about in um, Rapahu um, Drive um, has been earmarked for a school for some years. The current status of what's happening there, I'm unsure. You're right, there has been a bit of talk, is it in the right place? Um, but I believe it's talk at the stage, so wait and see. But I'm sure something will happen on that uh, block of land um, in the coming years. Right, so um, now are there any controls on overseas buyers? Like there's been a call to close Palmerston North because there's too many people coming in. Um, so, you know, are there any controls on overseas buyers, for example? Well, I don't know where the calls to close Palmerston <laughs> North are coming from, but uh, look, no, I mean, we've got to look after our own people, obviously, but there's certainly no vacancy signs going up anywhere, so I'm unsure where that's coming from. Um, look, overseas buyers, I mean, yes, the government has, um, they've, they've had that in for quite a while, actually. Um, so you can't just be in New York and, and, and purchase um, something. It needs to go through uh, the right protocols. Um, I suppose where we've got our disconnect is, is what investors can buy. Uh, and saying that, there's controls around that too. You know, you can't just um, come in with 10% or even 20% um, and purchase a property that you're not going to live in. So yes, there is some controls. Um, 
has it had much effect? Um, look, it's 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 slowed the market in some ways. Um, it's probably had some unforeseen consequences. Um, people aren't buying properties for rentals, which means there's a lack of rentals, which means the price goes up. So there are unforeseen consequences, and unfortunately, you pull a lever in one direction and and, and it pops up somewhere else. Yeah. So it's a real balancing act. Um, Palmerston has always been a strong rental market too with our youthful population and our facilities we've got here with education, health, defence. So we're always going to need rentals. So um, I would hope that we might see um, some developers building, you know, some of those rentals that they built back, you know, in the 80s and 90s where we, we saw blocks of flats being built. We don't seem to see that happening now. We get lots of social housing but actually, we, there's a no, there's a whole lot of market of renters as well, which are not on the social housing list. Um, but they're not they're not buying homes either. So there's a real missing that the missing um, middle there really. So um, the roading contractors uh, who are building the new Hawke's Bay Road and presumably the Ring Road as well, um, are they all here already? Or are you no, not sure? no, there are some here, um, uh, but uh, there'll be more coming. Um, so, look, we're trying to work with um, the Alliance and with other entities there um, to find where we can house them. It, this is the problem when you've got a lot of big projects going on at the same time, and that's why the motel situation is is being filled, but it's being filled with workmen. Um, and, you know, we're seeing crane companies working on the, on the um, wind farm, just basically taking a motel uh, for the year. Um, oh, right. So you're getting lots of that going on. Um, you know, we've had some um, uh, people staying in different halls of residence too, you know, in short term, um, just so they can find somewhere to stay while they're working. So there is still a bit of a longer term fix to come on all of that. Um, some of the companies have uh, taken long term rentals, some of them have bought the odd home, some of them have built the odd home. But it needs to be on a far greater scale if we're to bring sort of hundreds of people in. And and what about refugees? Is Palmerston North getting more? Or are they actually being, um, well, I was going to say farmed out, but that doesn't sound right, does it, um, to Martin and, and other areas around about the Manawatu? Well, we, we are a refugee uh, resettlement centre. We have been for well over a decade. So, um, yes, they come here. Um, look, we've had a, uh, recently we've had a, uh, we've had some families of Afghanis um, come back into Palmerston North, or I should say join their, their, um, uh, their wider families, yes. uh, wider uh, families here. Um, you know, they were evacuated from Kabul, um, and we, we, but they're small numbers, um, you know, eight here, four there, and uh, I'm unsure whether they're actually classified sometimes as well as refugees, but they've come from a war-torn um, environment. Uh, a lot of them, um, and with the Afghani community, are, are, are well-educated um, and become absolutely tremendous citizens for the city. So it's something that we value um, and we encourage. Um, it's obviously uh, the refugee numbers are difficult and it's a bit hard to understand who's coming in because of COVID um, and other and other disruptions, certainly with the likes of the Af- Afghanistan uh, and, and the, and the well-documented issues that have happened there. So, um, late, uh, not lately, but um, in the past, there have been a couple of intakes per year 
um, of refugees coming to Palmerston North. Is that correct or not? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. And look, um, I haven't got intel on where we're at with a lot of that. Uh, there has been, as I said, smaller groups coming in, eight, eight, eight coming in um, just recently. Another four was a couple of weeks ago, but they are, you know, smaller numbers than what we would have normally seen. Right. So, um, and are they families of people who are already here, or they're all new ones? No, there's a mixture. Conne- there's, a, there's a mixture, but it's connections to people that are already here. Um, and look. Uh, it's it's worth commenting on all this too because it is welcoming week at the moment. Um, part of um, uh, you know um, welcoming different uh, people into your community. So uh, that's a worldwide um, uh, recognition. Um, but yet, look, most of these people uh, have some connections here in some way, whether it's through colleagues or or, or a wider wider family group. So and they have various religions, etc., plus cultural differences. But yeah, because they've got yeah, a, there, a, there is. But in saying that, though, um, you know, um, the Muslim community is pretty strong here now um, and contribute um, widely. Um, not all of them are Muslim, of course, um, and we have um, other uh, faiths. Uh, and uh, I think the great thing about Palmy is it's been so accepting of all of that. Very diverse. Um, yeah, very diverse. So, and there have also been concern expressed over new projects um, beautifying but not maintaining what we already have. For example, the, the solar sand on and uh, versus the weeds eradication on the riverbanks. So, um, have you got a comment to make about that, or you? Yeah, and look, I agree that we should be we should be doing things well and having some sort of. Understanding of what the R and M, the you know the repairs and maintenance, or especially the maintenance, not repairing, but really maintaining things. And it was a little known fact to us until we had a briefing on what things actually cost. So you know you, you could be um, building something and it costs you a dollar of capital, but actually over the lifespan of that pathway or, or building or whatever it may be, um, there's six dollars that you've got to put away for all the. Uh, maintenance, right, and that sometimes was missing. Not all the time, but sometimes was missing. So that you give an example, we've increased our pathway network by basically um, hundreds of kilometres, um, and to different levels. Some have got pavement, some have got chips, some have just um, got metal. But we didn't really put a lot more extra into the maintenance budget. So that same maintenance budget has got to be spread like thin marmite over everything. And that's right. where you get problems. So um, we've got the river network. So looking at further development plans or maintenance <coughs> there, so we've got seven aspects that um, have been pointed out to me. So there's the Central Energy Trust Wild Base Recovery Centre. So is that sort of complete? Um, well, I know it's complete and open, but uh, it's just maintenance for that or are there further Yeah, so that's or? that's got that's, – that's, uh, that's been um, – Shored up properly. I mean that um, that had a few question marks before it first opened, but because uh, there was such a big effort to get the thing built, um, but actually it was the maintenance and the ongoing operation costs of it. Initially, it was going to be a couple of people. Well, it's as we know with 
having 60 to 70,000 visitors through the thing every year, you've got to staff it, you've got to volunteer it, you've got to have programs for it. So that's all been shored up. And I just have to say, um, it's worth going through uh, the Wild Based Recovery Centre at the moment because they've got some Ruru there, um, some Kaka from Wellington Zoo, um, and multiple kereru. So it's worth having a good look through it because it changes all the time. Isn't it still free at the moment? Yes, yes. Yeah, so they're open. Um, uh, they're back to uh, normal operating hours of 1 to 4 on weekdays and 10 to 4 on, on weekends. Uh, but if you've got a larger group, if you're wanting to bring through a group that want to go through the educational side, um, you, you do need to ring up ahead and book that. Yes, and, and also, of course, we're still under the COVID restrictions, so you wouldn't be allowed more than 50 people all at once. And um, these 50 numbers include staff too, is that correct? Yeah, it's 50 within the um, organisation, yeah. Right, so that's the first one. Then we've got the, um, you mentioned... Um, walkways, so we've got the city to Ashurst still under the scope as you like, so what's happening there? Yeah, so look I, I've done some investigations there and um, we, the problem we have and I mean it was well documented at the time and I was a, not a lone voice but I was one of on the minority that realised that we just don't own the land, we simply don't own the land oh, and right. yeah. Uh, it's willing buyer, um, willing seller, and uh, to try and take it legally through the Public Works Act is is a risk, and legally um, we would struggle. So we've got to try and get uh, to a space where we've got willing buyers, uh, sorry, willing sellers, and, and council will purchase that. I think we can get there with some of it, but it's going to take a little bit of time. I know some members of the community are absolutely frustrated. I've inherited this, by the way, <laughs> um, and I'm trying to sort it out without it costing the city millions of dollars in legal fees, and we end up with nothing. So um, all I just say to people is um, it the I believe we can get there, but it's going to take some time. Right. And what about the Esplanade there? Um, I remember reading about a project, which I've forgotten what it was, and I forgot to write it down. Um, there was something being put over by the Crokey area? No. So we've got um, what, what we've, there's been several projects, again, part of a master plan, and people can um, download that off the council's website, the es- uh, Victoria Esplanade Master Plan. Uh, but we've had a uh, we've realigned the entranceway at a long time project, which has been because Esplanade has up to eight hundred thousand visitors a year, and a lot of those people come on bikes and their families and and they walk in or, or not everybody drives in, so it's got to have decent connections and entrance and exit ways. So Cook Street and Park Road was always an issue because, as you know, it had a it didn't all line up. It was meant to line dog up. Dog leg, yeah. Dog leg, sort of. And it's still got an element of that because right. we just couldn't afford to do the whole thing in one big hit. So we've got it all the entrance way. We've got some traffic lights there to, to cope with the mounting pressure of, of traffic there. Um, right next to the Lido, again, another very, very popular uh, council facility and aquatic centre. Um, and then right next to Hiarakotahi in the in the river pathway, so we've we've put in a um, next to the miniature railway a real connection, and that was always part of the bridge plan, because we didn't want everybody in Ruha Street, and 
I thank the people of Ruha Street for putting up with a lot more extra traffic, but we've now tried to alleviate that with people being able to come in from the Esplanade side. So they can park up near the, if they're driving, they can park up near the uh, miniature railway station, and then they can, and you can see the bridge and you can walk right through to it, and it's a very, very clear pathway rather than the very narrow. Um, steps that we had before. Right, so last time I walked there, it was the very narrow steps and they were doing it, it was all closed off, so it's all complete now. Yep, it is, and it looks it looks fantastic. Oh, well, that's great. So, um, Te Motu or Put, Potua, the yes. tour, sorry, um, Anzac Park, there was a rumour that um, there was going to be a sort of a Rotorua-style Māori <laughs> pa put up there with gondola from the river or, or the bottom <laughs> sort of thing. That's just a rumour, is it? Oh, look, Te Motuo, Potua, Anzac Park, um, it's a site of significance, the Rangatane. It was their lead par. It was it was it, it was cited there because it has magnificent vistas. It was it was a fortified area. Um, look, we're just going through um, in in with our partners at Angatane what what might be what could possibly go there. Um, yes, there's been all sorts of things talked about with gondolas. Uh, you might be, be might have been talking too much to Wiramu Tiawiawi, but um, you know there's been talk of. Um, like a Fariwaka, which is the um, uh, Ngāti Tawa um, facility uh, down on the waterfront at Wellington, or what um, uh, Rangitane Awaro at um, Blenheim have a cultural centre, which has got a commercial element to it as well. Um, it's, uh, it, it covers off all its meeting house needs, but actually you can have a, um, a meal there, you can hold a function there, you can have a wedding there, all those sorts of things. So they're looking at what what can happen there and also some educational um, uh, experiences um, you know there, there there is there are some real opportunities and it's a fantastic site and and there's uh, a bit of land down near the uh, Cliff Road entranceway back onto Summerhill which is part of that whole um, that whole uh, experience. So is the council working on this in consultation with Rangatane or, or is it a Rangatane project? It's 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 a joint project. Right. Okay, and the last thing, we've got a, a minute or about to talk about the Te Apiti Biodiversity and Recreation. So where is this and, and what is it all about? Yeah, so obviously Te Apiti is the Manawatu Gorge and um, look, really feel for uh, that track was I arguably um, one of the understated great walks of New Zealand. Um, with the opening up of the new road, uh, highway to go through to Tararua and Hawke's Bay, um, that will take the pressure off the entranceway there to the old gorge um, car park. That's where Te Apiti, um, the gorge walk starts, but there's real opportunities to put a visitor centre, and I think that's going to be a legacy um, from the Alliance that will be able to hopefully repurpose one of those buildings into a visitor centre, um, enabling people to possibly even stay. There might be some eco cabins there, um, experiencing, we're getting, we've re-released some um, native species back in there. It's got a real opportunity to become our Zealandia um, for this part of New Zealand. Right. Um, 
it, there's several walks there, there's um, some mountain bike activity there. They're talking about um, what are the other opportunities. We spoke about the old Gorge Road being part of that as well. So really, the biodiversity there um, opportunities are immense. Well, that's great. Thank you very much. And we're almost out of time. In fact, we are out of time. So thank you very much again. And uh, we'll look forward to the next round. We never that. Kia ora. Thanks, Anne. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.